This is Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast, Tangential Line. This time on UCAP, UCAP pal Jamie Beckett from Polk County, Florida joins us in the virtual hangar. We take a look at a video of a biplane buzzing pedestrians on the runway. We check out some interesting but oddball aircraft that we'd like to fly. Jamie tells us about an innovative new model for aviation education and flight training and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot on the Boeing 787 problem. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a sport. runway in the front yard. <laughs> so this footage, of you, is that the footage that you're just looking at, Jeb? I'll open it, too. Let's see. This is, this is the one that's the so-called horror footage, right? Right. So this is a, uh, um, it's a biplane of some sort, uh, a, a pit, pits, perhaps, um, and... Uh, and it's doing a low pass along a runway, and we see someone riding some sort of scooter. Scooter. Uh, it's not a Segway, but it's kind of a Segway-like. I, it's, it looks to me like a mobility scooter. Yeah. And so he's sort of riding this, uh, not exactly on the center line, but sort of you know parallel to the center line, well onto the runway. And uh, and all of a sudden, at the last moment, the biplane. This is a aerobatic, acrobatic, uh, or acro uh, aerobatic biplane. Um, Swerves now. The camera person, the person shooting this video, is also on the runway, over to the edge, almost off the edge of the runway. The interesting thing, the dramatic thing here, is that the biplane swerves around the person on the little scooter, but swerves to the side of the runway that has the camera operator, and very nearly clips this camera operator. Yeah. It's a pretty dramatic little moment, and uh, you know, I'm the, not so sure. There was a lot of buzz on the net about how this person, you know, this was an accident, and oh my God, you know. And there are just so many unusual aspects of this that I just can't imagine it wasn't all all planned. It may have gone awry, but uh, um, it was... Uh, I think the camera makes it look closer than it actually was. Well, it was pretty close, but... Oh, I'm, uh, not, I'm not saying that it wasn't, you know, like, come on, close... But inches away, I don't think so because the the field of view for the lens uh, is such that what you see go by is, I don't know, two and a half, three feet away. Yeah. Now, the thing that made me first, well, the two things that made me suspicious that this was not an accidental encounter was... Oh, it's not. It's not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Was, first of all, that the biplane has got smoke on, so uh, he was, you know, doing something. He wasn't just trying to land. One of the, He's also going very fast, so he wasn't just trying to land. Um, the other thing is that I'm just convinced that if this had been an accidental encounter, he would not have swerved. He would have pulled up. And uh, you think, yeah. And why? Why did it? You know, this is like the chicken in the road. Why did the biplane cross the runway? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, mean, he was perfectly in the clear over on the on the on the port side of the runway, on the left side of the runway, way past the center line. Basically, looked like he was over the edge. Mm-hmm. And at whatever kind of cue point made the crossover, lined up along the edge and followed it. I mean. Nothing accidental about this. Yeah. Now, I'm looking for it right now, but I saw another story regarding this incident, quote, I'm making little finger quotes here, um, that talked about the fact that the uh, 
the uh, FAA may be considering investigating this matter to, to find out whether or not some some regs were violated here, um, given that this was you know given the circumstances uh, having to do with you know being too close to, to uh, people and pedestrians and and that kind of thing. I don't know. That's all well and good, except the re- the regs provide a window for people to do this kind of stuff, just like they do for you to fly formation. Yeah, I, I mean it. They also provide a, 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 a you know, um, careless and reckless. They can go either way, is my point, they, depending on how. Oh, that, that nothing, nothing about this. That you're right about that. They absolutely can go after these people if they want to, uh, even if they're wrong. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know that they didn't have on file some kind of waiver, uh, some kind of work up with the local FISDO because. How do movie crews get away with this stuff if every time something that looks silly to us uh, gets investigated and and adjudicated by the FAA? None of this stuff would be in movies, at least not until they could start to do it all by CGI. Yeah. Well, do we even know where this was? I, I don't know if we do. I don't know if we do. I'm sorry. I'm still searching for the story that told me that they were going to investigate it. But I think uh, it's on AvWeb. That's what I think, and that's where I'm looking right now. I'm just not sure if I'm looking at the right week's worth. You need the link? I want the link. No, I don't need the I, I, We have a link to the video. We're looking for a link to the story that talks about possibly investigating the matter. Wow. Um, and uh, anyways, it's it's an interesting piece of video. It's uh, I, I you know I will bow to your ph- photographic wisdom, David, to suggest that this maybe not as as close as it looks. It looks pretty close uh, to a layman, anyways. And, oh, it, uh, it does look close. That was the whole idea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, airplane trying to land? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. But I've buzzed runways trying to get rid of birds and not been that low at that kind of RPM mm-hmm. uh, going down the runway center line or off to one side or the other. If the birds were already favoring one side or the other, I'd go the opposite side. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know, Jeb, when was the last time you landed with that much throttle on? <laughs> yeah. A long, long time. <laughs> uh, if he did, if he did. If he'd have chopped power, dropped the tail, and put it on the runway, he'd still be rolling out today. Yes, he was going pretty fast, no question. Right. Yeah, so and uh, it's a, it sounds a hell of a lot like a Lycoming four cylinder. It did, it did. It's, it looks like a Pitts or, or it, uh, it does. Um, you know, one of the clones. Um, <sighs> Christian Eagle. Yeah, that's what I, that was the other thing I was thinking. But um, I don't know. I mean, I. If that's all the evidence they have here, how can they even identify which airport it is, much less which airplane? Yeah, uh, I guess you track down the person that shot this and say, holy beep, uh, who was that? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But there's this, this, you know, exciting and dramatic and all this, but this screams accidental, uh, not in not in this universe in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now Jeb was the subject of a wild and crazy viral video airplane landing recently. <laughs> oh, not really. Not really. <laughs> it was a very nice landing, a very calm landing. But uh, you got a lot of comments on that, Jeb. Yeah. That was that was uh, yeah. David. Uh, I don't, you're, you're not a Facebook person, and I am because and I am shamefully so. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, we we flew out. What we flew? We flew to. Oh, we flew to. 
I was coming back from Sebring. We flew to Sebring. That's what it was. This is a couple weeks ago. We flew to Sebring. Shot from the cockpit. And yeah, well, and uh, uh, back and, seat. And uh, a friend was sitting in the back seat, and uh, so she, we, unbeknownst to either Jeb or I, she was holding up her, or at least unbeknownst to me, um, she was holding up her camera, kind of centered, you know, high in the back seat, and uh, and and shot a very nice little piece of video of uh, from sort of a short final on as Jeb was flying in to, to land here at Hidden River, and uh, and Jeb posted it on Facebook and. And uh, it generated a lot of conversation, you know, m- much of it abusive, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's kind of going to be so, expected. Yeah. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so, so this, you know, that was his, his viral landing video and there was nobody on the runway and there were no photographers on the ground that we could, we could scare. So it wasn't quite the same thing. Well, uh, point in fact, and I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has run out and the evidence has been in print for years, but there have been instances where when air-to-air photographs weren't going to occur, we would have the target airplane do low passes for the camera with a variety of lens lengths. Mm-hmm. So that we started out with them doing kind of wide passes and we're getting them to go by uh, on a uh, tangential line. Uh, so you kind of get them coming straight at you and they go by. You don't try to shoot their butt in. Uh, then you might have them do a circle around you and you pivot around. You pan the camera and you get some. Then you go to a shorter lens and you move all that stuff in. And then you go to a shorter lens and you move it all in. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a... a a fisheye lens and basically put the airplane on the end of a string and just walk around in a circle a couple of times. Mm-hmm. They're, they're banked really steep when they do that. They look like they're going really fast because you use a slow shutter speed and make it go by. It looks like they're right on top of you, but they're not. Yeah. I love it when he talks that way, Jeb. Tangential line. That's what he said. Tangent, tangential line here. And uh, so, anyways, hey, welcome, folks. Not to, to go off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, right. No, because you'll never, you never do that, David. Uh, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm sitting here in our virtual hangar with my two good friends. Uh, uh, Jeb Burnside's out there. Uh, actually, he's in the next room because I'm still in in uh, Florida. But uh, hi, Jeb. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Where, where are you today? Jeb? Yeah, where are you right here, from? waving. See, here I am uh, <laughs> from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. So, uh, what's going on? I've been away for a week. I just returned to yeah. your to your your. Uh, uh, your gracious hospitality uh, this afternoon after being away i might talk about that but uh, um and uh, so uh, how you been doing what you up to you've made Good. some progress i know your home improvement projects are progressing nicely yeah they are i'm also trying to get some work done this week and uh I hate it when that happens yeah i'm, I'm glad it's friday but uh, i'm going to be working all the weekend anyway so there's really no rest for the weary yeah. and also here is uh, dave higdon from uh, wichita kansas hi david how are you doing today I'm in the same club Jeb's in towards the weekend. Uh, uh, doing great. Uh, just uh, busier in a one-armed well digger, and, uh, uh, and, and, and it's raining dirt. So uh, we're going to kind of be shoveling straight through for the next seven or eight days just to end the race even. But we love it when it's like that because that means that we can afford to buy chili next month. What was the old line from Cheers? It's a dog-eat-dog world, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson, and I am also uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Uh, uh, once again, uh, the guest of uh, 
of a sh- what we call it, uh, Shea Burnside, uh, uh, the Hidden River home for wayward airmen, and uh, enjoying the hospitality here. What are you guys drinking? I, I have to tell you what I'm. Uh, David, you're you're usually drinking something interesting. Well, I'm drinking. Uh, let's see, what is this? I think this is a India Pale Ale from yeah Blue Heron Pale Ale from the Mendocino Brewing Company out in California. Mm-hmm. And when this one goes dry, I've got their Red Tail Ale to go behind it. Ah, okay. So I bring this up because I'm uh, so I, I, returning to Jeb's. I, I brought a little housewarming gift, and uh, I've got uh, two different flavors of, uh, of. I've got one is the uh, Killian's Red, uh, George Killian's Irish Red. And Always good. That's one that is sitting. That's my spare sitting here waiting because the first <laughs> one is just about done. Is a uh, Smithix or Smithwicks, some might say. Smithix. A Smithix, yeah. And uh, I, I picked these kind of independently in the grocery store, and then when I'm walking out, I'm realizing that I got two. Two Irish Reds here, and uh, I think this. I was influenced by the fact that the hotel I was at this past week was right around the corner from an interesting Irish pub-like place, and we ate at a, a number of different times. And so, uh, um, I, I guess I've got Irish pub on the mind or something. Well, like and that. they're they're two very different Irish Reds too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and and Jeb, are you drinking? Yeah, you. I don't recall I've, you. I've can't. got one of these too. Oh, that's right. You do. You have one of the Smittics. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. You, you're. This is a new one to you. You're not familiar, right? I I think I've had this before. I don't recall. Yeah. So, what's going on we, here? We've got, we've got a, a little a little Irish pub uh, near, uh, not not too far from the office here that has that on tap, and give you a nice big uh, new or English style pints of it. Yeah. It's just a little red head across the top of it. We have a friend who's about to join us here in the hangar. I'm looking for a story here we can talk about really quickly here. Kirby Shambliss crashed his airplane down in, what, South America, Central America or something like that. El Salvador, I yeah. thought it was. And he's okay. Um, apparently walked away from it. No no injuries that I've heard about at all. Um, the airplane looks pretty totaled from the pictures I've seen. But uh, no, They didn't fly it out of there. Yeah, there's a picture somewhere on the Internet that night. Uh, showing him in a bar with a beer in his mouth. Yeah, well, that's where I would be after crashing my airplane, oh, yeah. too. It wouldn't, take, it wouldn't take him that night, either. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, something... It's one of, the, one, one of the more innovative promotions by Red Bull. The, the, only, the only news I saw said the engine stalled, so hey. Yeah, yeah right, so there you go. Who the heck knows what that means, right? So, I, yeah, I don't know what... So, you, we don't know what happened? We don't... I, mean, I, I don't know off... Yeah. Top of my head, I don't know if it's um, been recorded anywhere. Yeah, so could be any number of things. That's a hard working airplane. But uh, so we're glad that he's okay. But uh, that was that was kind of interesting. Hey, look who just wandered into the virtual hangar here. Uh, a good pal of the of the podcast and and of all three of us. And uh, let's see now. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to say former flight monkey and reformed local politician. <laughs> Jamie Beckett is here. <laughs> How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing very well. I like that reformed politician. That's really good. Yeah, right. or maybe I should have said recovering local politician or something like that, right? I'm trying hard. I'm taking my medication. I'm staying in bed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've joined us on the podcast from Sun and Fun a number of different times. And uh, uh, tell people a little, tell us a little bit about what it is I'm talking about here. You've you're, you've kind of changed hats recently. I did. By force, kind of, um, and, and it's a good thing. Uh, as you know, I'm all I'm fairly enthusiastic about being involved in aviation in Central Florida. Oh, I think yeah. it's the greatest place in the world. We have an interesting confluence of events here, where there's a college program that just started up. 
sought out a flight training provider, and that 141 school opened a satellite base here in Polk County, in Winter Haven, actually, my hometown. And they offered me the job of running it. And since that's my dream to run a flight school right here in town that serves both a high school and a college, I took it. But this is where the reform politician part comes in. Turns out there's a state law that that's a conflict of interest to work for a company that does business with the entity you're in a supervisory capacity over. And since I would have to negotiate with myself over leases and hangar rents and that sort of thing, I could either resign my position or go to jail. I thought real hard about it, and I said, "You know what? I think I'll just resign." Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you're you're now, but but you've, you, it sounds like you find yourself into a very very exciting uh, uh, situation here. You we, we we ran into each other this morning by almost well, from my perspective, it was just sheer chance. Um, I was traveling back from Orlando where I was on a on a job from a, a project for my day job, and uh, I wanted to stop by. Uh, uh, the uh, grounds of Sun and Fun because I was sort of passing by on the interstate. And it turned out that today is the day that uh, the Sun and Fun folks were receiving a, uh, a really cool airplane that, uh, that I guess, what FedEx has donated to them. So, the, yeah. A lot, and I want you to tell us about that event in a minute. But uh, so we were just chatting. We, 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 I discovered that you were there and we were chatting. And you were telling me uh, all about this, these educational programs that you've gotten involved with. And that's the first thing I was hoping you'd tell us a little bit about. Sure. Um, sure. You know, well, and, you know, I've been a flight instructor for a long time. And I, I'm, First to admit, not the best flight instructor in the world, but I might be the most passionate. I'm really thrilled that where I am right now, we've got an interesting group of people with real talent and vision, and maybe primary amongst them being James Ray. James was a, a pilot in World War II, became very successful in business, and he's really doing everything he can to set up a fund to help kids get into aviation. And just to give you a thumbnail sketch so I don't go on too long, Polk County, Florida has the James Ray Scholarship. Any high school student in the county, and this county is bigger than Rhode Island, any high school kid with a GPA of better than 2.75 can apply for this scholarship, write an essay, and if he's selected or she is selected, the scholarship will pay 75% of your private pilot certificate. Wow, that's great. It's, it means you're getting it for 1960 prices. It, it's really terrific. And what's better than that is we have the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, which is a public high school, free, that kids can go to. They have a maintenance program. They have a, a piloting program. You can get the scholarship, and those kids are learning to fly. And my flight school will be serving them as well, starting on the 18th of this month. But that segues right into the college program at Polk State College, so it's really a, a rare opportunity where kids can come in and get a whole lot of aviation training free or extraordinarily cheap. That's great. That just sounds like a terrific program. And, uh, you know, you were introducing to you a few of the people who were involved with that program this morning. But, uh, yeah, very, very exciting. Jamie, Jamie, how are you able to do that? I mean, I mean who's, who's, who's putting up the, the um, well, seed James money Well, James Ray this? put up the seed money. He's the guy who really got behind it, but they've done an interesting thing. From and from what I understand, there are properties on the airport where their rent goes into that scholarship fund, so it perpetuates. It's not a one-time lump sum. Hmm. They'll be able to fund kids for years 
Wow. And, and consistently renew. And that's what's really exciting about it. It's not a one-time deal for these 10 kids. Every single year, kids will be applying for this scholarship. And last I heard, they just approved 50, 5-0 kids for that scholarship. Wow. wow. So, I mean, we are, I'm very proud. And it's not just me. It's a bunch of people here. But we're creating a really profound aviation-centric activity zone in Polk County where it, it encompasses four public-use airports and some tourism places and educational places. And, of course, Sun and Fun is the anchor that makes all this possible. They're the big dog, and, and hats off to them. They are a resource like you can't even believe. And I know Jack and I were talking today. Lakeland Linder doesn't look quite the same. <laughs> it's really amazing. <laughs> 50 weeks of the year. Yeah. But they have an enormous impact on how viable and accessible aviation is to kids who, frankly, come from backgrounds where they never thought this was possible. Yeah. But it is now. now so ha have these programs been around long enough that they have graduated many kids yet? How, do you know those numbers? Well, the high school started uh, four or five years ago, and they literally started in a hangar. Their, their attendance was limited by the size of the space they had. And if you've been to the museum at, Air, at Sun and Fun, the hangar immediately behind that building was the school for mm -hmm. the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, James Ray funded the, the current school that you see with the T-33 outside. Okay. That, he paid $7.5 million personally to build that school for those kids. It's got a capacity of just shy of 500. They're at about half capacity right now. But what I find really exciting, they have a 100% graduation rate. Wow. That's, that's terrific. That's yeah. pretty impressive for a public school these days. Oh, now, yeah. Now, who is James Ray, and does he need a personal pilot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, Jim, I think he's got that lined up. But, oh, man. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's actually putting his money where his mouth is. He wants to create new pilots. He has a love of aviation that he wants to pass along in perpetuity, and he's actually doing it. Oh, that's great. It's, it's impressive. Now, this new gig you've got, uh, first of all, say again the name of the uh, or, uh, the uh, FBO or the operation. It's, it's, it's Sun State Aviation Flight School. Okay. It's been in operation for about 11 years in Kissimmee, Florida, just a little bit north of here, and very successful. They've trained over 4,000 pilots. It's a Cessna training center. Um, they've brought me in as the vice president of operations in Winter Haven. So please... Be suitably impressed. Very, very, yeah. yes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. What, what kind of equipment do you all operate? We're flying 172s. For, we, have a sky, we have two sky catchers, I'm sorry, for uh -huh. people who want to do light sport. Uh -huh. We have a plethora of 172s, both R and S models. So we've got glass and we've got steam gauges, uh -huh. which we call legacy panels. Uh, we also use uh, a 172RG for people who want to do commercial single, and we use a Technim twin for multi-engine commercial and MEI. Mm -hmm. Really? You got the Technim twin? Yes, we do. It's on the line, and it's right out on the ramp in front of me now. It flew earlier today. What do you, what do you, well, a couple, three or four questions. First of all, uh, how's the Technim working out? A. B. Uh, is this a 61 or 141 school? And C, uh, how much is the Technam rent? Uh, good questions. The, let me take the 61-141 first. In Kissimmee, we are a 141 school. 
And Winter Haven right now, we're a Part 61. We were on a seven-day provisional, and I have it under excellent authority that the FAA will inspect this facility three weeks ago. And uh, Let me just jump jump in here and ask, uh, can can one of you give our listeners a brief summary of what the difference is between a 61 and a 141? I I apologize. I'm talking shop, and I shouldn't. Most flight schools are part 61, and that's you have an instructor, you have a student, you have a very broad choice of how you go about your training. And, for instance, to get a private pilot certificate, it takes 40 hours. National average is in the mid-50s, but it takes 40 hours to meet the requirements. Part 141 is more stringent. It's an FAA approval where you stick with a specific syllabus, and there's much more record-keeping involved. But there's a payoff in that your private pilot license only is required for 35 hours. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not such a big deal at the private level. But by the time you get to the commercial level, Part 61 is a 250-hour process. Part 141 is a 190-hour process. Mm. You can save some money on that. And because it's such a rigid training program, you are graduating somebody who really is proficient at flying. Okay. All right. so I apologize for that. But yeah, That's fine. So you were answering Jeb's questions. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, it's okay. It's a great question. We're just waiting for an inspection here in Winter Haven for somebody to say, yeah, you're 141. We mm-hmm. use the same airplanes, the same syllabus, the same instructors. Everything is identical except the physical location. So I, I have every expectation of getting a sign-off and we'll be good. Um, in Lakeland, when we start serving the high school kids down there through the Lakeland Aero Club, That'll be part 61, and that's because they're already in a high school setting. They really aren't in a position to commit to a 141 program, which is right. pretty rigid. Right. It, it works well, but it's, it requires you to be there pretty frequently and do things a little differently. Okay. Um, as for the Technam, it's, it's a really interesting airplane, Jeb. Uh, it's considerably lighter and more affected by the wind mm-hmm. and landing forces than a Seneca or a Seminole where people would traditionally do their multi-engine training. Right. Takes a little more finesse, much more economical to fly. But you are making a considerable shift in the technology. A Rotax right. 912 is a long way away from the Continentals and Lycomings mm-hmm. we were using in those other airplanes. So there's a, there's a learning curve. Um, some people really love it. Some people are a little wary of it. Yeah. But it's uh, it's an interesting airplane. Let me put it that way. Huh? Uh, how, do, do you rent it? Is it available for just not for, for solo rental? No, okay. we only use it for uh, for dual instruction and check rides. But it, it's not a solo airplane that you can take away. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the event that uh, Jamie and I crossed paths at. But first of all, David, do you have any questions about the, this uh, whole new situation of his? How many flight instructors do you have on uh, on, on the line, Jamie? You know, here in Winter Haven right now, we have two, and and that's just because we've only been open for a month now. Uh Um, And I'm not exaggerating at all. I would expect us to be around 10 by August. Wow. Okay. I I think this is going to grow very rapidly because a high school program and a college program are both going to feed into it. I would be surprised if we weren't at 10 instructors and an equivalent number of planes by August. Now, in Kissimmee, they have a considerable number more, and if you go to sunstateaviation.com I have to give props to the guys who put that together you can see our airplanes you can see our instructors most of whom are gold seal instructors and that's a requirement here you get a gold seal Um, 
everything you could ever want to know is at sunstateaviation.com. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So, Jamie, we, we crossed paths, uh, like I said, at uh, on the grounds of the Sun and Fun Fly-In there at uh, Lakeland Linder. Um, my first thing I wanted to just kind of comment on uh, is that I was really struck by how the facility, the grounds looked so different. This is the first time I've, I've been going to Sun and Fun for, for a little over like 10 years now, and I have very vivid memories of what it looks like there while, during the fly-in. And I was really struck by how wide, because although obviously the permanent structures are all still there, all of the temporary structures, the tents and the booths and all that kind of stuff is gone um and uh, it has a very different look and feel it's much more open much more uh, I don't know, almost pastoral and uh it's it, it was it was very interesting very pleasant place to be um and i don't know how quiet it is on a normal day but it, it was it was pretty happening today because um they uh, had had a little ceremony a little happening going on and that's i guess why you were there primarily do you mind giving us a little little report on what was going no, on there and what you saw no, not at all i uh I'm part of an organization called the Polk Aviation Alliance, which I've written about a bit, where we have pulled all together the, all the aviation entities here in the county. And because I'm a big part of that, we were all invited over to help celebrate this. FedEx gifted Sun and Fun today with a 727, a working flying 727. There you go. You can have it for educational purposes, and it will remain at the Sun and Fun campus and be available for those high school kids to use as a training facility. Uh, you can plug an APU into it and fire up all the systems. And you want to see how the flaps work? You want to see how the electrical system works? There you go. Wow. It's yeah. a tremendous gift. And I think hats off to FedEx for seeing the benefits of it. And, and frankly, for Sun and Fun, really using their clout to, to reach out to people like FedEx and say, we have a population here really wants to be served and learn about aviation as a career. Can you help us? Yeah. And FedEx yeah. came through. Great job. Now, I wasn't able to stick around to actually see the arrival of this aircraft. Jeb says he's seen some pictures on the net that make it look like it was quite a happening. W what was it like, Jamie? Well, actually, I hate to say this. I can't be away from the office for that long either. I had uh. to leave before it showed up. So I'm, I'm kind of heartbroken about that. But I'm really looking forward to getting over there and seeing the plane and I'll be there next week, so yeah. I'm, I suspect I'm going to get a tour through it then. Jeb, what were these pictures that you saw? Uh, they were on Facebook. Um, just, a, I don't know, 20, 30 shots of uh, the airplane taxiing in, uh, you know, brief acceptance ceremonies, um, uh, things like that. It was, it was, it, I thought it was very well done. You said there was a, they, they had the fire trucks out there? They had a fire more. truck. Uh, I don't know if they had two. I, I couldn't tell. Um, certainly had one fire truck, you know, in the airplane taxiing under the water stream and, you know, stuff like that. So it was, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And were there pictures of the crew members? You say they were the crew Yeah, was there's, there's two four stripers and a three striper flew the airplane down. Mm -hmm. I'm so, what does that mean exactly? Two, two captains and one, uh, FO yeah. serving as flight engineer. Yeah. So actually, uh, I, I'll back you up. I'm looking at the pictures online right now and that is one sharp looking airplane. It, it doesn't is. look like surplus. It is. Yeah. Um, now, Jamie, yeah, it's fairly impressive. Jamie, when we spoke this morning, you thought, and you didn't know for sure, but you had some, some did you learn anything more about how they plan to display it or, or where they plan to keep it? Um, my understanding is they're going to clear an area in between the, the ramp area where the, the FAA building is and the museum. 
and they're going to pour some pads and it'll be on permanent display there. Now, I, I wouldn't commit them to that, but that's my understanding of what they're thinking right now. But uh, from everything I'm being told, it's going to be maintained as an operational airplane. It won't actually fly anymore, but the engines are staying on it. The avionics is staying in it. This is going to be a functional aircraft for the kids to use. Mm -hmm. I saw someone this morning carrying around a, a sign, a poster of some sort that seemed to show a floor plan that had the interior kind of kitted out as like little classrooms and, and meeting rooms. Is it, was that what yep. I was seeing? Yep, and that's Lori Bradner. She's the Director of Educational Services at Sun and Fun and just a powerhouse of a woman. She she's like she makes the Energizer bunny look lazy. <laughs> but uh yeah, th this class this airplane is going to be partially kitted out as a classroom where where instructional activities will take place with groups inside the airplane. So uh, they've got some very ambitious plans and I think when you guys come back for for Sun and Fun you're really going to see some things and be very impressed. Uh, Lights Leanhouse and, and Lori Bradner and the crew over there really have pretty impressive plans that they're following through on, on making Sun and Fun a year-round educational and tourism destination not just the one week that we traditionally think of. Yeah, that's really become very noticeable. We've been we've been hearing about a lot of different activities. Jeb, you even attended one of them yeah. uh, a little yeah. while back, you know. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, Jamie, before we let you go, anything else going on in your world you wanted to tell us about? Or uh... Well, you know, I can never get away without saying sun and fun is coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. And obviously everybody focuses on uh, Lakeland, but you know, I'm here 14 miles away in Winter Haven, so if people want to fly in here, camp, buy their wristband, and get a shuttle ride over, we do all that too. Mm -hmm. um, sun and fun really has been great partner with the local neighboring airports where we try to support each other to the best degree possible. And if somebody doesn't feel comfortable flying into Lakeland, there are places right nearby around it where you can fly into and get great service and, We'll all take care of you and make sure you get to the show. Yeah. Polk County, really, it's just becoming very apparent to me. It's quite the aviation destination these days. Um, obviously, the Sun and Fun Campus and all their activities. Um, if Am I right that Fantasy of Flight is in yeah, Polk Yeah, I was going to say, for, don't forget yeah. Fantasy of Flight. Fantasy yeah. of Flight is there. Um, the things that you're trying to do at uh, Winter Haven. Um, the, Did, uh, isn't Sea Hill in Polk County? No, no, it's no, it's outside. Not, okay. But yeah, it's there's an enormous amount going on here. You know, you mentioned Fantasy of Flight. Uh, Kermit just purchased the Sikorsky twin engine that from the movie The Aviator. You know that. Um, oh wow! Howard Hughes flew. I believe he's got the actual one as well. Um, I know the biplane ride operator out there, Waldo Wright, just purchased a Waco VPF seven which is a beautiful airplane. I sat in it the other day. I have not flown it yet, but he'll be doing aerobatics in that as well as the Stearman piloted flights and the new standard take four friends with you and go flying. Um, it really is. Winter, uh, Polk County really is becoming a hub of aviation activity. And just I just don't know too many places where you can come and get your sport pilot certificate, your private pilot certificate. You can get a seaplane rating. You can get a tail dragger sign off. You can log time in a Waco or a Stearman, all in the same place. Yeah. That's I mean, that's very it, cool. Yeah. It's just a remarkable place to live, and, and I'm going to lord it over you forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I was I found it very attractive this, after, this morning when I was visiting there and talking with you and the others. So that's great. 
Jamie, so let me just tell you, Jamie, that yes, we, we are very impressed by your new title of VP of Operations. We are, in fact, so impressed that when we see you at Sun and Fun, we're going to let you pay for all the beers. Absolutely. And- That's a yeah. deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll do it. Yeah. I've got one question. Go ahead, David. Filling in your government former government position is it going to be anybody with anywhere near your credentials in aviation and supporting the airports and the alliance and all that stuff you know it's not or i don't think it is nobody who's announced they're running for the seat has any big aviation background but i'm really pleased to say that the theory that we've talked about over these past four years turned out to be true by showing the business community and the political community here that aviation is an important economic driver, it's a great educational tool, it does bring in tourism, suddenly the city commissions, the economic development people, they've started to notice these airports matter to them. And they're coming out here. I met a woman at the airport here who's lived here 50 years, and it was her first time at the airport because she read about it in the paper because I had resigned my seat. This has changed things here, and and because we do have the alliance, and uh, because Sun and Fun and Fantasy of Flight and the, the other entities have all been so mutually supportive of each other, I think this is a permanent condition now. We're we're really seeing that they recognize aviation matters, and aviation in Central Florida is is a more natural fit than any place else on the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, all kidding aside, Jamie, I think you deserve a lot of credit for being a, a great example of somebody who didn't just kind of, you know, wander around banging their shoe on the table about the problems that you saw with, with general aviation. You, you've really stepped up over the years since, I, well, I mean, for a lot of years, I've only known you for a few, but uh, with your, your, your steps to go on to the uh, council, and I, I, I know, or the, I, I apologize, I don't know what the name of the body, the government body was, but... Uh, Winter Haven City Commission. The City Commission. And I know you, I know you, you you were very you paying a lot of attention to all sorts of issues on that commission, not just aviation ones, but 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 being an ambassador for aviation on that commission was important. Your work with the uh, aviation, the, the county aviation organization, and all these things. I, I think you know. I mean, I'm going to embarrass you here. Maybe I'm going to embarrass you by saying that you're an exa- a great example of, of of you know. We need more people around the country who will step up and say, you know, I'm not just going to complain about the problems of general aviation. I'm going to get involved with my community and see if I can you know make some changes and build some programs. I, 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 you, you put some muscle where your mouth was. Yeah. So congratulations to you, Jamie, for 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 all the accomplishments you've you've made so far. Sounds like you're not done yet. Well, uh, is you. there a draft Jamie movement going on to get you to run for your empty seat? <laughs> no, I think there's a let's get Jamie a nap because I'm working pretty hard <laughs> this new gig. But I will tell you, I appreciate the the compliments. I've had a remarkable run in this business, and I'm not nearly done. I'll be around for a long time to come. But, you know, AOPA honored me with the Let's Go Flying Award this past year, Mm -hmm. which is a very humbling experience. We're showing success. And, and, you know, I write the column Politics for Pilots for General Aviation News. And I've committed to this year they're all going to be positive. It is possible to be successful, and I think we're proving that here. You can find plenty of things wrong with aviation or avgas prices or your local FBO or whatever, but you can fix those if you put your mind to it. And I think we're proving here by by bringing together all these different entities on a countywide basis. And, and seriously, this is this state's almost this county is almost as big as Delaware. It's huge. If we can bring together this many people and find this many opportunities where now any high school kid in this entire county 
who wants to get into aviation can do it at 75% off, you can find a solution. You've just got to put your mind to it and put in some work. But I hope we become a test bed, frankly, and I thank you guys for telling the story because this is uh, this is our golden age. Let's mm-hmm. step up and make it happen. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we'll be talking to you again in a couple of months when we all get together at Sun and Fun, and uh, we'll get our, get an update for you on on all of these things. But uh, we we appreciate you taking a few minutes this afternoon to uh, to fill us in. It's a, a fascinating story. Uh, that's our pal Jamie Beckett, the uh, VP of Operations at Winter Haven for Sun State Aviation Flight School. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Siri, what can you tell us about the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast? The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations that they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation. Remember your training and fly the airplane, but you knew that. We here at the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. Thank you. We mentioned this in passing on, I think we did, on the last episode, but uh, what the heck is going on with the 787s? It seems to be a battery of issues. Uh, yeah, right. Um, as I recall, when we sp- when we did our last episode, uh, the the uh, I think it was the Japanese had just grounded the, their fleet, um, but since then they're all grounded now, and there's a lot of talk about how it's going to take a while before they can figure out what's going on here. Who you, is they either one of you want to out of the wires, man? What's that? They let the smoke out of the wires. Everybody <laughs> yeah. knows you got to keep the smoke in the wires. Yeah, well, that that is happen. the best best yeah. plan yeah, yeah. so uh, and it's two it's two different batteries but they share the same construction technology yeah right the main these- battery main battery's been an issue in in some instances uh the APU battery and others right but uh, when you say like they one, share at least the APU battery is outside the pressure vessel back there in the tail where the only thing you'll lose is all your all your uh, elevator and rudder controls. Yeah. So when you say the, the same battery technology, the, the, this is the lithium-ion um, technology. Am I right about that? Not only lithium, but a specific design to that airplane, apparently. Now, why can't they just put different batteries in these things, at least temporarily, so that they can start flying again? I mean, is, it, is there more to this story? I mean, what the heck is going on? Where do you start? Well, uh, let's not go. To, let's not spend too much time in this. But what's the short version of this? This is an electric airplane. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, almost everything on it runs on electricity. Flight controls, pressurization system, environmental cooling, uh, stuff that would normally be hydraulic is predominantly electrically actuated. Uh, the flight deck, of course, uh, very sophisticated. A lot of computers. Uh, they designed a really heavy-duty, high-powered uh, electrical system to run off the two engines. Uh, and a battery with a lot of capacity, because the battery is kind of your sink for this. You know, juice runs into and out of it, as opposed to the mindset that it actually runs directly off of the uh, generating source. Uh, so... 
then you got all these electronics. You got to control the output, uh, manage the, uh, the the current output of the starter generators, run off the engines, uh, how to keep the batteries topped off. Uh, you got pretty high voltages, very high current demands. A couple of different kind of systems running off of this stuff through uh, rectifiers. It's really complicated compared to what you and I are normally thinking about flying in a small airplane. Uh, the battery was designed to be able to produce and absorb really high levels of electrical power, mm-hmm. but be small and light compared to any of the other existing technologies that could deliver that amount of power and absorb that amount of power. And as Jeb gave us from uh, a Flight uh, Global article, uh, there's a guy that's behind the Tesla automobiles, which is a battery-powered automobile, who says it's the design of the battery itself that's really the problem. And he makes a pretty damn good argument in that article you picked up, Jeb. He does. Really does. It's and I'd seen really that compelling. same argument elsewhere, uh, whether it was Wired or, or uh, I don't know, I don't remember where. But, I, again, you know, I understand... Um, you know, these were APU batteries mainly that have been the problem as opposed to system uh, batteries. And I would guess an APU battery is, is used to start the APU. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp as Jack. I certainly understand the need for, for certain specs and capacities on, on such a battery. But I can't believe that such a, another, such a re- uh, replacement battery doesn't exist out there. And I'm kind of in Jack's camp. Why can't they just change the batteries on this thing? Uh, it's got a certain amount of space it has to fit into. Yeah. And everything that's capable of producing and absorbing the kind of power at the voltages that that thing needs to produce, from what I understand, they're going to have to redesign what it sits in because it won't fit in the spacer through the access hatch. Oh, okay. Wow. And well, I think it was the United 787 is the only one. I remember where the problem was with the main system battery up under the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we've had it at both ends, but they yeah. both use the same architectural design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let me ask this now. So, And given that we we may not 100% know what's going on with these 787 batteries, um, as our personal airplanes become more and more electric, um, do we need to worry about these lithium-ion batteries are everywhere these days. I mean, is this a problem that might migrate they're, they're, into, in, into they're our not airplanes? In, they're not in our airplanes. Well, no. what about the device? I mean, I don't know. Do uh, do do the GPSs, do the glass panels have some sort oh, of... different technology. It is. Yeah, yeah different chemistry and technology. Than yeah. this. They'll, is, they'll, have, they'll have backup batteries, but they'll likely be nickel metal hydride or, or NICAD or something like that. So, yeah. so you really are confident that at this time, this is not an issue that's going to migrate into the into our our kind of airplanes. Well, let's back up. I mean, this is not the first time a lithium ion battery has been has started a fire. No, okay. right. Uh, it's happened with laptops. It's happened. Um, there was a, uh, I think it was a DHL seven sixty seven, landed in Philadelphia a few years back uh, with a fire on board. Barely got it on the ground. Crew barely got out. Uh, a pack or a shipment, I should say, of lithium-ion batteries caught fire mm-hmm. and got out of control and and destroyed the airplane. It burned out the whole upper half of the airplane. Yeah. 
Um, this is not the first time something like that has happened. The FAA, it's been, what, a year or two now, has banned lithium-ion batteries from uh, certainly cargo holds on passenger-carrying aircraft. Yeah. If not, if not all aircraft, I think they're. I think they're not allowed to be shipped by air. Period. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. So you know, I kind of have a whiskey tango foxtrot moment here on on two or three levels. But to to ask, to, I should say to answer Jack's specific question, in the average personal airplane, you're not going to find a lithium ion battery unless you carry it on board in your backpack. Well, and these aren't lithium ion in this particular a- application. These are lithium cobalt oxide which is a completely different chemistry uh, setup than what's in our cell phones and what's in our computers. Yeah, it, I, I hadn't heard that before. I, 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 all I knew is, is some sort of lithium battery. So. Yeah, now lithium's the common denominator, but there are different lithium chemistries hmm. okay. Uh, okay. That, that, that produce energy at different levels, uh, at different density levels. That's the way they like to describe it. How much current can it put out per pound per volt? And this lithium cobalt oxide apparently is, if not the highest energy density chemistry available, among the very highest. Mm-hmm. That's pretty but interesting. It's, yeah. its chemistry, on the other hand, has a flammability level that's equally off the scale yeah, if, it really. gets, if it gets out of hand. Yeah. What do they call it? A thermal runaway. That's a great thermal name. Thermal runaway. Right? It's like a prompt critical reaction in a nuclear reactor uh-huh. yeah. uh, where the, the act of fission just so feeds further fission that it accelerates on an exponential curve. Well, thermal runaway is, is, is the, the heat equivalent of that where the heat generated by one cell catching fire uh, just ex- increases so rapidly that without the right design of the battery's cells, it can transfer enough heat to adjacent cells to start them burning spontaneously. Yeah. They'll overheat even without being subjected to the electrical load problem that started this one cell they get hot and they catch fire, and this stuff actually boils out into liquid. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it could be really ugly. Yeah. Hmm. I repeat, I love it when he talks that way, man. I did know. You, yeah, did you hear that? That uh, oh yeah, that that uh, nuclear stuff. Whoa, yeah. Okay. Um, enough of that. Uh, gives gives me a charge. <laughs> Oh, snap. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. See, now I've completely forgotten what the segue was going to be. <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's get Segway? To, yeah. Segway? Yeah, I know. We don't need no segue. <laughs> well, segways have lithium batteries. Yeah, they probably do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, let's jump to something a little lighter here. Um, there's a, this is, this is, I want this airplane. This is a Sky Yacht personal blimp. We jumped down a couple items on the list here. Do you see this? This is a, this is a funky looking airplane, but, or aircraft, but uh, I, I'd fly this. Oh, this, yeah, absolutely. This is a, 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 a an airship. Once. Yeah, once. No, I'd fly this repeatedly. This looks like a lot of fun. Um, it's a. It, this looks like an aircraft straight out of that movie. What was it? Those magnificent men uh-huh. and their flying uh-huh. machines. Okay, it looks just like that kind of an aircraft. For all I we was know. thinking, Doctor. Uh, I mean, Dr. sorry. Uh, no. Uh, well, that's not bad. But yellow submarine. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, but the ones on Magnificent Men were actual aircraft, you know. Whereas, you yeah, know, um, this looks like a Jules Verne, a very Jules Vernish. That's true too. Yeah, it's kind of almost steampunkish, you know, when yeah. you get right down to it. Yeah, actually. Um, so a a large, uh, 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 lighter than air envelope of some sort, um, yellow and and black uh, longitudinal stripes or horizontal stripes, I should say, with red fin, multiple red fins at the uh, trailing edge of this whole thing, and a uh, and a, uh, a, a what would be the right word? A basket. A uh, it's a, a Waldo pepperoni. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> un, uh, beneath the uh, the the entire envelope where the uh, the pilot sits and uh, the what's s- the guy that does the comic shtick with the big wooden mallet and fruit? Gallagher, right? Yeah. yeah. You think it looks like a watermelon? Is that what you're saying? No, but Gallagher hired uh, Byron Allen, the guy that bicycled an airplane across the English Channel. Okay. To develop a man-powered blimp years ago. Yeah. It was basically a, a rigid frame. Well, it was basically a soft gas bag with an exoskeleton rigid frame uh, and in a seat with pedals and a big chain rig to drive a big low speed propeller that he tried to put into his shows and fly around in you know in these big arenas um i'm not sure he stayed with it for very long we we need one of those for sun and fun yeah well every time it get out there somebody'd say shouldn't you put the hammer down and they'd hit him and break his blimp <laughs> So, so the Sky Yacht personal blimp is cool. It is cool. And, <laughs> and I'd fly it. I can't quite make out. There's only one picture here that I'm aware of, and it's hard to see whether or not it's got more than one seat. Um, I well, would hope. Now, let's take a look. I mean, did there's you this, actually there's this, new, go to, there's this new thing. If you click on the link, it'll open up. Yeah, okay. It's too bad there isn't some technology that we could use to look up and see whether How there's. about personalblimp.com? Uh, yeah, okay. Personal blimp. Oh, yeah, there's more pictures of it. The home of the airship Alberto. If you zoom in on this thing, it looks like uh, like a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood with with swiveling wheels at each end and then stuff stacked on it. I don't know if the thing's got an engine or not. I guess it does somewhere. But it doesn't appear in in this image to have an engine. You would think it would have to have an engine, but you never know, right? So... Anyways, let's see now. This summary. What, what does it say it? here? Uh, oh, I see where it is. See, did the we engine's see on something the, like this in the second remake of the Mummy. Yeah, the, something like the, the engine's on the on the very tail. It's it's yeah. not on the gondola. Yeah, and it's electric the back now. there. And yeah, I see it now. Okay. And it's electric. It's not a uh, like an internal combustion okay. engine. It's electric. So the uh, personal blimp uses hot air rather than helium for lift and virtually silent electric motors for propulsion. But it is not so, lithium-ion air, so yeah. it's safe to fly. Yeah, so this stuff stacked on this platform are batteries. Batteries. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, yeah, Skyyacht. catch fire. Personalblimp.com. Is I'm it. not sure that they'll sell any of those in Kansas. Yeah, Okay. Another cool aircraft I came across this time, uh, this uh, this episode, is the Velo the Volocopter. Um, this is a uh, oh, yeah, a, a kind of a cool. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's a 
how many how many different so it's this is apparently related we talked some time yeah. ago about a kind of scary looking um, multiply bladed uh, 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 rotor craft where yeah. um, it might have eight or twelve or sixteen different uh, uh, blades and uh, and the pilot sat in a uh, in a control seat that was mounted above all of these blades and it looked just like horrifyingly frightening that these you know un un you know uncaged uh, blades were just like well, it, spinning and, and, and Ron Popeil would say and it slices and dices exactly exactly now I, I read someplace that this is uh, maybe a, sort of a follow on you know a couple generations later the Volocopter a two seat but this only exists in uh, in designs right now I don't think they've built one of these yet but it's the same kind of thing with multiple now from this image i'm counting what one two three four five six maybe like as many as 12 what does it say i should read the story huh what does the story say <laughs> oh why start now evolo it's, it's a, a shame in this day and age we don't have such a thing as journalism. i know yeah that's right yeah reading from avweb here we're looking at a story on avweb uh volocopter two-seater in development uh evolo a german company that successfully flew an, an innovative electric powered vertical takeoff aircraft in 2011, and I believe that's the one that I was just referring to. Let me look yeah, at the picture here. Yeah, uh, the yeah that's the one. Okay. You know what? They uh, made a dramatic discovery regarding center of gravity. Yeah, I think so. Huh? <laughs> um, they now say that they are ready to build a two-person design. Uh, <laughs> And says Germany's transport ministry will have to create a new category and develop new regulations to allow the aircraft look, to fly. Looking at the one that we we talked about in in, in 2011, um, I'm reminded of Garrett Morris driving a limo, and and uh, uh, he had Ackroyd in the back seat. But I. I, I, I that's going to be this episode's Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. One, yeah. You're going to have to figure out what we what what Jeff means by that. Anyways, all right. Well, obviously we're not going to have any serious conversation. I like this. <laughs> I like this new Volocopter. I kind of and, and and yeah, the center of gravity thing is an improvement, David. I agree. Um, that looks like a fun aircraft to to uh, to fly. And uh, you know, and and all kidding aside, my guess would be because these multiple, you know, these kind of quad or eight copter, you know, eight bladed copter things are using some some cool um, um, auto stabilization features. Um, I'm guessing that they're a lot easier to fly than a traditional uh, rotorcraft. It um, seemed it would seem to be pretty pretty much within the the, the uh, programming envelope. Yeah. Uh, and in my mind, what you do is instead of putting a battery in there, you put a small APU system in there mm -hmm. that can produce all the juice that it ever needs. So yeah. you can fly that puppy on electricity for as long as the fuel for the APU lasts. And since APUs are really efficient producing electricity, you can go a long way, a lot farther than a battery of the same weight would take you. Yeah. Uh, but, that, you know, it's like, wow, electric motors are so efficient and reliable. Only thing I might wonder about would be noise off those little tiny high fast rotating <laughs> yeah. pops. You never know. You never know. So I don't know about you, but I'll personally be following this because I think that would be a cool aircraft. And, Something uh, even Jack would fly. Even Jack would fly. Yeah. So I got an airship and a 16 bladed rotorcraft. I'm ready. I'm ready. On a much more serious note, the uh, uh, a, a lot of the uh, president's cabinet are changing over right now, and uh, uh, perhaps of interest to us is that Shift in the last change you heard the whistle blow. Yeah, in the last few days, the uh, Secretary of Transportation has announced that he will be leaving, and so we'll be getting a new Secretary of Transportation soon. Uh, do we care? Does this make any difference to us in aviation? 
Maybe. Was Thank was Secretary LaHood a good secretary for aviation's purposes? Actually, I think he followed the the first precept of medicine fairly well. Do no harm. Do no first, harm. do no harm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's a fair judgment, I think. And and, and yeah, there are there are worse uh, uh, legacies, I guess, to to leave behind than that. Um, David, I saw an email. You were you were commenting um, on some of the names that are being floated. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not overly enthused by the names you've heard so far. I understand, right? Well, we were exchanging. Jeb and I both remember working around some of these names when we when Jeb and I were still employed inside the District of Columbia and uh having actual personal direct exposure with some of these names will tend to color your judgment when they're rumored to be in line for a possible appointment to one thing or another. And a couple of the names made me kind of go no. Uh, <laughs> one of them that Jeb suggested, I actually thought was uh, had some real merit to it, uh, and that was Jane Garvey. Uh, Jane Garvey would drive some of the career types at DOT absolutely right over the edge. Oh yeah, getting her back would be like, oh my God, it's time for put to put in the early retirement papers. Um, but but it would yeah. be kind of the hat trick NTSB and uh, uh, FAA and. Well, all kidding aside, why? Because because of her management style or her ability? A little of both. Uh, yeah, mainly her, her familiarity, or at least the aviation industry's familiarity with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't the best by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think there is any such thing as a best administrator at this stage. Um, but um, at least she's a known quantity. And at least she knows the industry also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and before the- she was at, uh, before she was at FAA, she was uh, uh, part of the uh, uh, oversight team for Massport uh-huh. in Boston, which oversees a couple of major airports on its own. Uh, and the FAA's had some standout administrators over the years, uh, but that didn't always mean that they were successful at what they tried because they may not have had an equally standout sec dot or better, you know, farther up the chain president to work in in their behavior or in their behalf with us. Uh, I thought Don Engen was a pretty damn good administrator. Dave Henson followed the medical precept and and actually came from Engen and Henson both came from the aviation industry and actually knew what airplanes are supposed to do and Mm -hmm. why. Well, but, but let me ask you the same question about secretary of transportation. Have there been some outstanding secretaries of transportation in your days? And if so, what made them good? Well, most of the ones I would call really top of their games were before my time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the ones who maybe pushed through, say, you know, uh, or helped push. Well, I can't say that because the interstate highway system was created long before the inter- the Department of Transportation was created. Um, I think of of uh, Normanetta mainly uh, when I think of a good uh, set. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I uh, agree with you. But I knew Norm before he became SecDot, so. Uh, unfortunately, um, the uh, president he served didn't really do all that much in transportation. So it's kind of, kind of, uh, he, he certainly didn't do any harm but either. What made Manetta a good secretary of transportation? Knowledge, experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and, and understanding of the different modes. Uh, he wasn't just a one-trick pony. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you. Um, we got a whole bunch and of... It, and it's worth noting that most of the experience that he got and, and what he learned was because of his time representing uh, the San Jose area of California in the House of Representatives, where he served on the uh, Transportation Committee and the Aviation Subcommittee over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of uh, shout-outs here. Um, we want to uh, jump into some of these shout-outs. Let's see now. I'm sorry. Jeb just sent us a link. I'm looking at the link, and I'm trying to... Too mo- we need a producer of this show. We need someone who will, like, stay in the background and tell me what to do. Um, now I've completely lost all the pages on my... Uh, Why would we start now? Yeah, really? Okay, here we go. Uh, Let's see now. Which one do I want to go first? I want to say, so uh, over the over recent episodes, we've talked about the uh, the the uh, what is so funny? What are you guys laughing at now? (laughs) We're all playing this video. (laughs) Which video is that? Come on, you got to give me a story. (laughs) <laughs> oh, the video of the Jeds. All right, hang on. I got to play the video now, too. I remember right. watching this the first time it ran. It's a oh, Saturday Night Live it's sketch the, played the, off of a diamond cutter sketch. Yeah, it's the Dan Aykroyd did, sketch. That, except they're circumcising yeah. a baby. Yeah, it's the Dan Aykroyd sketch that Jeb referred to either right. earlier. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes and people can uh, can track it down here. Uh, or you can try and find a video that apparently is uh, titled Royal Deluxe 2. Saturday Night Live. Royal Deluxe 2, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, before I was so rudely interrupted, what was I going to say here? I was going to say... Uh, Oh, you're talking about we need, need uh, us needing a producer. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about. And uh, <laughs> now I understand what he was talking about. Yeah, really. So uh, what else? Oh, so we've been talking over recent Shout episodes out. about the uh, about the uh, restored uh, World War II uh, mosquito uh, attack aircraft that had been uh, restored down in New Zealand, and uh, we were uh, hoping for it to visit the uh, uh, the states uh, this summer. And it is going to be that the dates have been set for that uh, that visit. It's kind of interesting. Um, it's not necessarily going to appear in all of the places you might expect. Um, well, they're, they're, they've got to avoid places where the people spray for mosquitoes. Yeah. No, apparently the uh, the owner of this is uh, kind of uh, uh, taking a hard line in that he will not uh, just kind of take it to air shows in return for gas money, which is a very common thing in uh, in, in fly-ins. Um, he actually He's wants... not ap- going to get many invitations. He wants appearance fees. And uh, as it stands right now, uh, Air Venture has uh, declined uh, to invite him for this reason. I, I, well, He's I, not going to get many invitations yeah well you, you know it's the mosquito he might get enough i don't know but well someone on the forums or maybe on facebook asked me what i thought about this and i, I see both sides uh standpoints very well very yeah, no. clearly yeah absolutely I, I totally get that yeah. um I do what, too. We need, what we need is a third party uh like i don't know red bull or um uh, jeppesen or you know somebody with some buck garmin to step up I to think the plate George- here Georgia and, and Pacific ought to, that. Georgia yeah. Pacific ought Georgia to be Pacific. Georgia Pacific. Mason, the Masonite Corporation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Elmer's Glue. I mean, because <laughs> it, it tells it, it says something to me about either the guy's lack of effort or his lack of experience. Because if he really had some experience in doing this, he'd know that sponsors underwrite a lot of other airplanes' appearances. Mm-hmm. at shows like Sun and Fun and Oshkosh, and those events still don't pay. 
for yeah. those things to get there because the sponsors get exposure. Now, exactly. Georgia Pacific would be great because what business are they in? They make plywood. Yep. Uh, you could maybe get Elmer's in on it because they make wood glue. Get uh, craftsmen to go with this. Sears yeah. with all the craftsman saws. That's right. Sock uh, it to me. Um, um, what was the. Um, um, oh, phooey. I've got a flyer <laughs> around here from. Um, uh, I'm going to. Go ahead, come back to me. I'll come okay. Uh, shout outs. Who's got a shout out? David, you got something here? Uh, I Orkin. Know. Orkin. There yeah, we go. Yeah, there you go. And I was looking for mosquito repellent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> off, right? Yeah, deep woods off. Deep woods mm. off. Yeah. I'm sorry. We did, uh, David, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to shout out to AEA about uh, their convention coming up mm -hmm. uh and reminding folks that if you're uh, if if you're still flying around on a 121.5 megahertz elt there is a notice of proposed rulemaking from the federal communications commission seeking to kind of formally do away with those and since those of you that are still flying around with 121.5s haven't bought into the argument about technology, uh, you, you might be aware that there's likely to be even less monitoring than there was before. But if you go ahead and upgrade to a 406, almost all of them out there have 121.5, which we're still hearing is really useful once they get you within a mile. So, yeah. Okay. Time to pay attention to that, kiddies. The excuse that they're too expensive for words no longer applies. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever amount they may be more expensive than a 121.5, uh, unless you're running a 121.5 that uses D cells, uh, you're going to pay half of what it costs to put in a 406 the next time you have to replace the bloody battery. And then two years later, do it again. Well, so it's, it, cut that, to the chase. Yeah, that's not quite the economics for me in my airplane. Um, um, because I'd certainly want to, you know, hook up the GPS to it. And, you know, da-da-da-da. I've got the switching. Uh, I'm not sure if the cabling I have would, would be adequate or, or appropriate. Um, I'm sure I have to change some mounting around. Um, and the battery is not that expensive for my ELT. But it is an old 121.5 ELT, and, and uh, yeah, you know, next time it, it, it hiccups or something like that, it probably should go. Does your panel control have a little phone jack-type cable connection no, to it's your on, ELT? It's, it's, it's on-off arm. Okay. Usually the kits will come with those, too. And they're, they're, they're down around, right around 500 bucks now. Yeah. Uh, and... They're getting to where they will connect through a uh, uh, what is it four twenty nine cable? Yeah, the to your existing GPS, the four twenty nine data bus. Yeah, um, but you know, even when the my my installation in my airplane, by the time the smoke cleared, it'd be a thousand dollars to install a, a four six or four oh six. I'm not opposed to that, but um, I do have a you know other things to spend a thousand dollars on. Mm -hmm. Other shout-outs. Jeb, you got one? Yeah, I got two or three here. 
the the folks at um, uh, the Internet Comic XKCD have this is a, very uh, funny. I agree. This is really really cool. They have a what if feature that they do once a week. I think every Tuesday. And uh, this last week they <clears throat> they did one. The basically it's you know Mr. Wizard you know uh, kind of questions you know uh, um, can God build a rock so big even he can't move it kind of thing. But but this week's question is. What would happen if you try to fly a normal Earth airplane above different solar system bodies? And uh, they, <laughs> the, the, uh, they go into this lengthy uh, explanation of the environments on 32 of the largest solar system bodies. And what would happen if you took, say, let's say, an electric-powered um, Cessna 172 and tried to fly it on Mars? What would happen? Um, basically, the only the only body in the universe, or at least our our immediate universe, our immediate solar system, um, that would support any extended flight in such an airplane is um, Saturn's moon Titan. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a lengthy explanation here of why uh, on Mars, for example, the atmosphere is so thin that we'd have to do like Mach one just to cruise. Hmm. Okay. Um, so little things like that. Venus is too hot. Um, uh, well, no, Venus is, is, uh, um, the atmosphere is, um, uh, very acidic. So it just eat up the airplane. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And corrosive. So yeah. 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 Jupiter, Jupiter, the gravity is too strong. Yeah. Um, you know, things like this. This it's cute. On the other hand, the air, the, the atmosphere in Mars, you're right about how fast you'd have to go just to, but it'll take a lot less power than it would here. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. The, uh, the, the cartoon comes with a whole series of little thumbnail sketches uh, illustrating in very, very simplistic terms what would happen in each case. And almost all of them show the aircraft spiraling into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not, some of it's not even a spiral. It's yeah, it's just like dives straight at the, uh, at the but, surface. You know, once we get you know, some, some shake and bake colonies going uh, on Mars, we'll be okay. Yeah, no, we'll be all set. So that's kind of interesting. So, so there's that one. There's there's another thing out here. Some um, a website I came across, Amusing Planet, it has an article on uh, what they call the Boneyard Project: Art on Abandoned Airplanes. And apparently, um, everybody's aware that we've got these gra these uh, graveyards, boneyards uh, out in I guess Arizona, New Mexico, Davis Monthan Air Force Base is one. Um, uh, I think Mojave has has got a, a boneyard. Mm -hmm. uh, neither one of those are, of course, in in uh, New Mexico. But um, they've got some great art here. Uh, they've let artists on on uh, do their things on these airplanes. These fuselages are, you know, the, uh, looks like a forward end of a DC three in one image, and and some some look like maybe an old twin beach and. Uh, C forty six and and all kinds of stuff. There's an old Jetstar, and uh, I don't know what materials they're using spray paint or chalk or crayon or what, but people are going to town on some of these things, and they look really cool. Be nice to you know have one have a DC three painted up like this Hawk. Uh, uh, I don't know. I understand it's having a traumatic effect on the wildlife. Yes, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yes, but uh, airplanes well, is art, and uh, uh, even art on the airplane. Yeah, these are these are amazing images. Yeah, I know, huh? Well, visiting Davis Monthan <clears throat> about a decade ago, when I was down in that part of the world for an aviation photographers convention, uh, one of our group, not me, one of our group said, "Wow, we we we've got free reign." 
hundreds and hundreds of acres, thousands of old airframes. We've got a tour guide asking questions. We're running back and forth. We're just shooting our brains out. And one of our groups said, did, 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 so some of these are placed so satellites can see them. Yep, so that we can verify this various uh, uh, steps of the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, like all these old B-52s here have been chopped up and yada, yada. And another wag said, did you ever think about rearranging some of this stuff so it's spelled <laughs> out a word? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which and, word and would that be? And our poor young lady, the poor young lady, this Air Force uh, uh, non-com, she never missed a beat. And she goes, yeah, but we're not sure that they read that good of English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I want to jump in here. I'm going to steal one of Jeb's uh, shout-outs here. Uh, and uh, normally it's me who, who catches this one, but uh, I'm, I've been in Florida for three weeks now, and so this is just really off my radar. But Jeb uh, uh, calls our attention to the fact that the Alton Bay Ice Airport has opened up for the year up in Alton Bay. It's a, it's a, a UCAP favorite, or at least it's a Jack Hodgson favorite. Um, this is the airport that they, uh, they plow out on the actual ice of Lake Winnipesaukee up in New Hampshire uh, most every week. Winter and uh, um, Lake Winnipesaukee. That's the one. You know, every time you use that word, I, I think of a guy in a hockey mask and a butcher knife. I, I don't know why, and I don't want to know. Um, well, maybe later. Too much conversation about sharp objects. I know, huh? So uh, if you're uh, if you're flying up in the New England area and you want a particular kind of uh, a flying adventure, uh, make sure you get prepped, but then go and land on the uh, Alton Bay Ice Runway. It's uh, quite an experience, um, and it's a uh, and it's a beautiful area. It's a beautiful area all year round, but it's it's particularly beautiful this time of year with the this, the white snow and the ice and the. And they the, even have a theme the song. I understand. They do. Yeah, yeah, it's an old Paul Simon song. Which is? Slip sliding away. Jeb, what do you got? Uh, anything, just make him stop singing. I, I was trying to get you to just move on. but uh, The last one, <laughs> last one real quick, and then we can move on. Uh, hats off to the Commemorative Air Force yes. for getting Fifi back in the air. Yes. Yay, Ross. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, just happened like in the last few days that uh, they uh, managed to obviously managed to raise the money. We talked about this a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, that they were trying to raise the money to uh, to buy or, or, or acquire replacement engine or engines. And uh, and they apparently have because uh, Fifi's back in the air. And that's always a good thing to hear. So, yeah. Congratulations to them. She's, she's at least back home in in, uh, in Texas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. David, anything before we finish up here? Oh, uh, no. No. Thank you, guys. Uh, Jeb Burnside, a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief for Aviation Safety Magazine. Which and editor? Whoa. Yeah, really. I what did he just say? I missed that completely. Microsoft spell check. <laughs> okay. Uh, what uh, What are you working on, Jeb? What's going on? I'm working on a March issue of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. Got some very interesting articles coming up this month. Um, as soon as I read them all and put them all together, I'll have a little bit more information on uh, on what they are. Um, let's see. Working on some projects uh, around the house, as we talked about. Also, uh, putting the finishing touches on a couple of things for uh, the Aircraft Electronics Association. Uh, their, their monthly magazine, Avionics News, and just generally trying to, uh, you know, enjoy myself. Yeah. And where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, well, let's try AviationSafetyMagazine.com, AEA.net, 
jeburnside.com and occasionally on avweb.com. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, what are you working on? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Actually, I'm working on so bloody much stuff right now. Uh, and I was trying to find what I'd done recently that will be, since we're doing this on February 1, what I'm doing that's in the February issue of something. And give me three seconds. Maybe I can come up with an answer. Nah, forget about it. Okay. Well, in general, where can people find you on the Internet? World Aircraft Sales at avbuyer.com, uh, avionicsnews at aea.net, then a couple of places where I don't get a byline, but it shows up in front of a lot of people because they belong to the right association. And I... Um, and I- See, I've completely lost my place now. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Um, I've been teasing and hinting about this for, for episode after episode after episode now, but now I can say definitively and without any sort of prevarication that you can check out my latest Kindle ebook, Around the Field, Volume 2, Stories of the People, Places, and Planes of the Oshkosh Fly-In. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you can read it on your Kindle device or with any Kindle reader software on your iPad or your laptop or desktop computer. Um, and uh, you can learn more about that at amazon.com slash author slash Jack Hodgson. And in general, uh, learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. I know you how you love this. There's no Jack H like our Jack H. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with our show notes and in the forums. Uh, please take a few minutes to check out Echo, the general aviation online media channel at uncontrolledairspace.com slash echo. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. You can see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, were you going to say something? Best way to reach old age ever invented is to spend as much time possible flying because time spent flying is not subtracted from your life's span, unlike this podcast. Bye bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Next time we'll have a producer. <laughs>